This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. I want to talk today about God's house. That was your cue. God's house. I want to talk to you about God's house. I want to talk about I want to talk to you today about God's house. A house of power and praise, a house of healing, and a house of provision. Amen? So, everybody say God's house. All right, let's just talk a little bit about a house of prayer. You know, the Bible says in Matthew 21, verses 12 through 13, it says, And Jesus entered into the temple and cast out all those who were buying and selling in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. And he said to them, It is written... My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers or a robber's den. Man, you know, I, I, I love the scriptures. And I, sometimes I think we read these like, oh, that was a nice story. Jesus, you know, got upset with the guys in the, the temple and he, he made a thong. He sat down and plated a thong of leather and he went in and he whipped people and beat people and threw their tables over and got rid of the money changers. I love that story. Someday you'll see me come in here with a (laughs) praise God. What would you do if your pastor, some of you think I'm that crazy, I know, but what if I did? What if I just started, what? And I started screaming and shouting at everybody, beating you with a whip. You know, when God's house becomes a house of prayer, you have to understand that there are people in the church that are not happy when we pray. Some of you that are witches. Some of you that... I'm not joking. No, 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 no. Some of the witches come to church here. You know why? Because they understand power. And they're looking to curse you. They're looking to, you can always tell a witch. They don't know how to pray. Well, they know how to pray to their devil, I mean, their God, the devil. But they don't know how to pray to God. Some of you are so bound in witchcraft. Some of you practice witchcraft. And so some of you come to curse the church. Some of you come to curse people in the church. Some of you come to target people in the church. But we know you and we know who you are. And we bind your activity in the name of Jesus. But in the house of God, in the house of prayer, let me tell you something. There are some who are displeased. There's even some of you that your flesh, every time we pray, your flesh gets nervous. How many of you ever get nervous when somebody starts praying? Say, you, you, you need to either learn about prayer, you need to get delivered from a spirit of timidity or fear. Some people used to come to this church and they say, ah, that church is so loud. You're too loud. You're too loud. I'm just doing that to make you all nervous. <laughs> You're too loud. You pray too loud. One guy said, God's not deaf. I said, he's not nervous either. <laughs> See, here's what you have to understand about prayer. Prayer agitates things. Prayer moves things. Prayer shifts things in the atmosphere. And God, Jesus says, my house is not a place where you come to cut a deal. My house is not a place where you come to make connections. Now, you can do those things, but not in my house. Do that out in the foyer, but not here. This, that's not why you're here. You make this a house of prayer, not a robber's den. You're not, so when... The house of God becomes a house of prayer. There's those in it that are here for the wrong reason. They get agitated. They're going to try to stop the prayer. They're going to try to change the way things are done. The enemy will rise up. He'll try to convince you and I that we need to start doing other things than praying. A lot of churches today don't pray anymore. In fact, a lot of churches around the world today are 
really just entertainment spots. The pastor's a comedian. The pastor's a good storyteller. The pastor is, you know, giving a little bit of self-help gospel, a little bit of psychology, a little pop psychology, a little bit of psychiatry, a little bit of, you know, humor on the side. And, well, we kind of spin the plates and we entertain you. And, hey, did we do good this weekend? Did I do good? Was I good? It's an ego trip for the pastor and it's kind of an ego trip for the church. That's not what we're doing here. This is a house of prayer. May I be unseen and may he be seen. May I be less, may he be more. And I tell you what, you know when your life is being infiltrated by the enemy. You know when prayer is not, no, no longer important. Why? Your prayer time gets shorter and shorter and shorter. Your focus begins to change. You don't have time for prayer anymore. In fact, there are many who have forgotten how to communicate to God. It's been so long since they've talked to him. Others think, often we think that communication with God is about our successes and about how great our buildings are or our organizational structures or what we're doing to, you know, and I, and I think we do a lot. I mean, but it's not about just touching the cyclone victims and the people in the hospitals and the orphans. And it's not, that's, I tell you, that, that's not our communication to God. That's an expression of our faith and an expression of our love for God. But that's not our communication to God. Sometimes we think that we're communicating to God through our preaching. Praise God. He preached a good word today. Ah, we're, we talk to God. No, we're not talking to God when I preach. I'm talking to you. Sometimes we think we communicate through our praise and our worship music. No, no, praise is important. I'm going to get to that in a minute. But prayer is something entirely different. These things are all good. Let me tell you something. What we do, the way we organize, what we, uh, the way we pray, the way we preach, all, I mean, the way we praise and the way we preach are all good. But God's house is a house of prayer. And we have to equip God's house. Sometimes we fail to equip God's house. We fail to equip God's people to do what God wants it to do, to be what it wants it to be, what God desires it. God desires, no, God says that his house shall be a house of prayer. Everybody stand up. Just stand up. Now, some of you say, I don't know how to pray. Prayer is talking to God. So I want to lead you in a prayer right now. Say, Heavenly Father, I stand in front of you. I am in the house of God. I am under a corporate anointing. And I am praying. I ask you to forgive me. I repent of prayerlessness. I repent of not praying as I should. I repent of not praying as often as I should. But right now, I'm putting action to my repentance. I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, who are in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. On earth, in my life, as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses in the same way we forgive others their trespasses. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us from the demons and their activity. Their influence. Their influence. In Jesus' name we pray. Jesus name. And we're going to give you all the praise. Amen. And all the glory. Forever and ever. We worship you. 
we praise you because you are our king. You are our Lord. You are our God. And we thank you that you said we could pray anytime, anywhere, and we could come boldly to the throne of grace to get help in our time of need. We're not going to forget that. We're going to pray. Now just pray in the spirit for a minute. In Jesus' name. Oh, Praise God. Woo. Now turn to your neighbor and say, that felt pretty good. Didn't it feel good? You know, you can do that anytime, anywhere. It doesn't take, it doesn't take, you have to pray for two hours, five days, six months. It says just pray without ceasing. Just pray whenever you feel like it. Acknowledge him in everything you do. Amen? And then come to the prayer meetings as well, okay? God bless you. Take your seats. Hallelujah. The next point is a house of praise. Not only is it a house of prayer, and we saw that in Matthew 21, verses 12 and 13, but just jump down in that same chapter, Matthew 21, 15. Matthew 21, 15 says, but when the chief priests and the scribes and the, saw the wonderful things that he had done, and the children who were crying out in the temple saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they became indignant. Let me tell you something. Religious spirits get indignant at praise. They became indignant and they said to him, do you hear what these children are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes. Have you never read out of the mouth of infants and nursing babes? Thou hast prepared praise for thyself. Oh man. You know, I love being around children. I love being around children. And I love being around childlike Christians. Has anybody ever embarrassed you their childlikeness? Huh? I, I was with some people the other day. And uh, I don't know, something was happening in their life. And something was happening in their uh, you know, and we were, uh, we were talking, and we just prayed with each other, and then we looked up, there was a person across the room we were at, and uh, an unbeliever, and one of the people that were with us said, I think we need to pray for that person. This young Christian, this young little Christian said, yeah, let's go do it. One of the older Christians, well, got a headache for her. Let's pray about praying. <laughs> See, there's a praise that comes up in people's hearts when you're young and you're sincere and you're innocent. How many of you remember that when you were, before you got jaded and you got you know, cynical? And How many of you remember when you used to just, hey, let's go pray for that person. Hey, let's go talk to them. Do you, do you know Jesus? My daughter is amazing at this. My daughter phoned me last night. She said that she was in the gym working out. She has a gym where she lives. She's working out. And this couple comes in looking around. and uh, She sees this guy and his wife. And he, she thinks she's supposed to talk to him. But he goes off. So he says, oh, no, 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 no. She says, God, if you want me to talk. Now, don't be, be careful how you pray. Lord, if you want me to talk to him, have him come back. <laughs> well, guess what happened? He came back. She sees him. He starts walking toward the car. She, she debates. She says, okay, I'm going to go. She runs. She goes and finds the guy. He gets delayed just long enough for her to get there. She's feeling spare. She's feeling foolish. She says, hey, uh, my name's Sarah. She says, uh, uh, what's your name? <laughs> <laughs> Levi. Oh, that's a great name. I love the name Levi. I got a grand, I got a, I got a, a nephew named Levi. 
Oh, really? Yeah. Hey, listen, you know, this may sound weird to you, but I was working out there and I saw you and uh, I felt like God told me I needed to come and say something to you. Do you mind if I just tell you what I think God's saying? She had no idea what she's supposed to say. <laughs> but this is how faith works. As soon as she opens her mouth, she starts talking about her, uh, this guy's uh, marriage, the husband and wife relationship. The wife's right there. She, she touched that little cup, cup. No, she was obedient. I did. You say, well, what was that? That's, that's praise, really, don't you think? Amen. See, praise... When it's in your heart, praise brings praise. Praise praises God for every. You're looking for a way to bring praise to God. Praise isn't just in church. Hallelujah! That the Spirit of that's not. I like that. That's a form of praise. But praise is also things that bring praise to God. Hosanna! Didn't see Jesus is performing in the temple. He's doing things, and they're saying Hosanna. Hosanna, when you act and it brings praise to God, there's a power in that. God wants praises in the earth. How does he get praise except you do what you're supposed to do and people say, wow, you changed my life. Wow, God used you. Oh, man, how did you know? He says, I wish you all prophesied. You want to be prophetic? That's how you be prophetic. Step out, talk to somebody. What does it hurt you to talk to somebody? What was the worst that could have happened? She never sees those people again, and, and they go driving off saying, now that was a strange girl, kind of friendly, but kind of strange. And in two days, they don't even think about it again. Or it haunts them the rest of their life. Yes. This little girl, why would she do that? Why would God do that? What's God saying to us? Why would God, why is God interested in us? Oh, I'm so happy he said that. You know, that's exactly what we're going through. Praise. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Hosanna, the Lord. God says this house will be a house of praise. I think we're going to create some praise in this place. I think some of you are going to be coming back here saying, not only, do, not only do you get to have those people praise, but you're going to come back and say, you'll never guess what happened this week. You'll never guess who I talked to. I was with the minister of finance, and I just, something welled up in me, and I felt like I needed to prophesy over him. Please, somebody do that. <laughs> oh, that's funny, I know. And I was at the hospital this week, and we had Pastor Winnie in the hospital, and uh, she had her back fused. You know, she, she walks like this. She has her, like, as long as I've known her, she was blown up in a landmine uh, during the war. But this woman, she walks like this and does more work than I've ever done in my entire life, leads more people to Jesus than I think I ever have. She, uh, she's, a, she's a machine. And Dr. Valentine, a member of the church here, and Dr. Chips, I don't know what her real name is, but it's one of those real long ones, but she's the most amazing doctor. She is just incredible. And she, uh, she and Dr. Valentine, of course, Dr. Reed, my angel, were all taking care of this little girl, this woman. And uh, I went and saw her last night, and her little back is perfect. Thank you. She's just perfect. I mean... Yeah, they had the fuser back, but they, she's no pain. She's, she's bright-eyed. Jeez. She told me that bon, Pastor Bonnie went into the operating theater with her on the stereo. <laughs> They're playing her a song. She says, I don't, know, I don't know what happened there. She says, I was just taken away. I think it was the drugs. I just taken away. <laughs> she's so cute, and I just had to pray with her. Then just next door, in the next room, there was uh, Dr. Mandy. Now, Dr. Mandy had a brand-new but uh, uh, through some kind of a malpractice, they cut her bowel when they took the baby cesarean. So she's been fighting for her life. You know, so we've been praying. We had the prayer groups praying for her. And uh, by the way, she's stable and everything's good. So I've tried to talk to her, you know, and I'm having more fun because she's got this thing stuck down her throat. She, oh, oh. I said, how are you feeling? I, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm teasing her, but I'm praying with her. 
she can't talk. It's like, you know, it's like when you go to the dentist. Hey, pastor, what do you think? <laughs> so I took advantage of her. But you know, all the nurses and all the nurse aides, I didn't just minister to the two congregation members. I stopped and talked to every one of them. I said, you know what, I want to just thank you. Man, you do such hard work here. How many times do you go to the hospital and you never think about thanking the nurses and the doctors and, and ministering to them? Can I pray for you? Do you mind if I pray for you? See, how are we going to bring praise in the earth if we're so into ourselves, so isolated? He says, my house is a house of praise. Do you come to church only to get or do you stop and say, who can I pray for today? Who can I get praise from today? I'm on a, I'm like a heat, I'm like a hurt-seeking missile. Who can I pray for today? Who needs a prayer today? Do you need a prayer today? Do you need a prayer today? You do? Father, I pray for my brother. I thank you, Lord, that you know how to seek one out. You know how to touch a life. I thank you, Lord, that there are no accidents in your kingdom. I thank you that this man is seated in the exact seat that he's supposed to be at the exact time. And that my prayer is not an accident. So my prayer for him is that, Father, every burden and every heaviness and every care that he carries would be lifted today. That he would cast that care on you and he would know that you care for him. Father, bless him with the decisions he makes this week. Open his heart and mind. Make him hungry to be a prayer and a praiser in Jesus' name. Amen. Is that pretty good? Now, how hard was that? How hard was that? How many of you think you could do that? How many think you couldn't do that? I could never do that. How many of you wouldn't raise your hand if I paid you? But if you think you can do it, you can. If you think you can't, you can't. But if you think you can do it, do it. Bring a praise to the church. Amen. Find somebody. Practice in church. Practice in church. And then take it to the marketplace. You ready? A house of healing. I love that verse of scripture. Uh, let, me, let me finish on the house of praise real quick, okay? Uh, Hebrews 13, 15 says, Therefore, by him, let us continually offer up, continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Well, let me tell you something. It's one thing for you to give thanks. It's another to create somebody else to give thanks. Praise God. I love when somebody comes and says, praise God, thank you. Thank you. My, my life actually counted in their life. Our church has to be filled with praise. Praise to God Almighty. Praise for, in our prayers. Praise in our lives. Praise in our worship and praise in our deeds. Amen. Third, house of healing. House of healing. Look at Matthew 21, 14, right there in the middle. Between prayer and praise is healing. It says, and the blind man, and excuse me, and the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. He says, My house will be a house of prayer. The blind and the lame came and he healed them. And the people praised. They praised for what God did, for what Jesus did. He healed them. Not only is God's house a house of prayer, it's a house of healing. House of healing. The Bible says in Acts 10.38, Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Let me tell you something. Your oppression, many of your sicknesses and diseases are of the devil. And we can break those off of you because the devil has been defeated by the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen? I want you to know that. I believe in healing. Ephesians 3.18 says this. May 
that we may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you might be filled with the fullness of God not a him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think according to the power that works in us to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus through all ages world without end amen Man, I want you to know something. There is greatness in the church. There is power in the church. My prayer is that you might know the height, the breadth, the depth, and the length of this power. That you might know the love of God that compels us to use power to set people free. That once you understand that, you will not be able to stop laying hands on people because the power of God, the fullness of God is in you. It's in this church. God did this for the church, and we just need to tap into it, and we're coming into that season right now. We have to understand the greatness of the church, the church of Jesus Christ, God's house. We have to realize that the love of Christ is all present right here. God loves us. Hallelujah. That's why we have to be filled with the fullness of Christ, the fullness of God. Why? Because when the Holy Spirit dwells within you and I, there's an expression of his awesome power, his awesome healing power. If there's a lack of power in the church, it may be because we no longer see God's house as a house of prayer, as a house of praise, and a house of healing. Tonight, tonight, we're going to pray for the sick. We're going to pray four ways. We're going to meet you at your level of faith. How many of you know people are at different levels of faith? Figure out if you have faith tonight. Number one, some of you don't have faith. Some of you say, I just, will you come? Because I have men and women who have a gift of healing and know how to pray the prayer of faith. The Bible says, if a man of God prays the prayer of faith, it will raise up the sick person. I tell you what, I love praying the prayer of faith. You don't need faith. My faith, I'll pray for you, and I believe that God will heal you. My faith will do that. That's for baby Christians. That's for unbelievers. Then there's another level. It says believers can lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. I believe we have the power just to lay hands on the sick. God says, whatever you're sick of, you'll recover. But then there's two other things require your faith. And this is where I want you to come tonight. Some of you have been sick, 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 but you haven't done what the Bible says. The Bible says, call for the elders of the church that they would anoint you with oil. Pray the prayer of faith. And if you've committed any, any sin, it'll be forgiven of you. You will be healed. And if you've committed any sin, it'll be forgiven. Now, but it requires you to do something. You need to call the elders of the church. So tonight, we're going to give you a chance to call for the elders. The elders are going to be there with oil. They're going to anoint you with oil. You're going to get healed in Jesus' name. And then the last thing is the prayer of agreement. Now, this is one of the highest prayers of agreement. Now, first of all, you have to have somebody with faith that prays with you. But the Bible says, we're too agree as touching anything. So I want you to come ready to pray. And we agree with you that what you pray will come to pass. What do you want? Jesus had to get the people he healed in agreement. Blind Bart. Timaeus. Blind Bartimaeus. Jesus would have passed him by. He's crying out, Son of David! Have mercy on me. His disciples said, shh, 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 shh. The master is busy. Shh, 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 shh. The master is busy. And it says he cried out all the louder. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. See, I didn't want to make anybody nervous. Jesus said, call him here. Call him here. He threw off his coat, ran down to Jesus, led down to Jesus, a blind man. And Jesus 
said the most crazy thing. He says, what do you want? <laughs> what do you want? I stubbed my toe coming down here. What do you think I want? I would see. I would see. He said, I'm in agreement. I agree. Be healed. See, the power of agreement. I don't know what you want. I can't guess. There was a time in church, one time I saw a woman squirming like this. She's wiggling all over the place. I thought it was the Holy Ghost. I said, stand up, let me pray for you. I said, what are you feeling right now? She says, a spider crawled down my back. <laughs> a spider. I said, oh, it wasn't the Holy Ghost. She went, God wasn't moving on her. She had a spider in her back. What do you want? I had to ask her, what do you want? I'd like to get rid of the spider. Okay, let's boop. All right. <laughs> Can you get what I'm talking about? What do you want? I would see. I'll agree with that. In Jesus' name, let's get you healed. So you come tonight. We're going to be praying for the sick tonight. Four different ways. But you come knowing what you want. Your faith, my faith, agreement, or the elders, anointing with oil. And last but not least, the house of provision. We're going to close out on this one right here. Take a little bit more time on this, but I believe this is key for us where we're at. 1 Kings 17. I love this. 1 Kings 17. By the way, before I hit this point, you know, this has been a pretty hard week for me uh, in, in many ways. But one of the hardest things that ever happens to a pastor is when a member of the church in good standing gets cut down in their life. And their life is taken short of its full time. And uh, a dear friend of our family here in the church, our church family, uh, I've known him since he was 12 years old. He got born again when he was like 12. He idolized his big brother. He just idolized his big brother. His big brother was a member of the church, got born again. His brother used to come over to our garage and copy tapes all night long so we could sell tapes to people. This little boy would come sometimes. And, I mean, he just idolized his big brother. He came back. He, he made an agreement with God. He says, God, let me go and make a living. Let me go and make money and I'll come back and I'll serve you. So he went to South Africa, to England, to China. He, he was... He was, a, he was a very, very excellent man at everything he did. And, uh, straightforward, straight shooter, loved him. And he came back and he uh, had a spiritual encounter as he came back into the country. And one of the politicians here asked him to be his running mate, to be vice president with him on, on their ticket. And he did that and he learned a lot there. And then he started a business and was just getting into partnership with someone here in the church for business. And um, came and we, he and I had been talking. I had asked him to come on to staff. He didn't want to do that. He decided that he'd rather serve on my board. So he was going to serve on our CCI board. And I just loved his ideas. He was full of ideas. But he, uh, I got a call a couple days ago. And uh, he'd been having problems with shortness of breath. And he went home, sat down, told his wife, man, I don't feel good. Fell over. And he died. This is wrong. The thief comes to rob, to kill, and destroy. This man's life was taken from us. Some of you know him. William Pilbrow. William was just a gem of a man. So if you see his wife and his children, just love on him. Uh, the funeral will be here on, I think, Friday. And, uh, man. Those are hard things. Those are hard things. I want you to remember how fragile life is, how short it is. Don't take this for granted, this life. Make your life count. Amen?
And then trust God for everything. Trust him for your provision. We see a story here, 1 Kings 17, 1 through 7. It says, now Elijah, who was from Tishbe, Elijah the Tishbite in Gilead, told King Ahab, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God whom I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next three years until I give the word, or next few years, until I give the word. It was three years, by the way, until I give the word. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go to the east and hide by Kareth, the brook, the Kareth brook, the brook Kareth, near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring to you. For I have commanded them to bring you food. So Elijah did as the Lord had told him to and camped beside Kareth Brook, east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. But after a while, the brook dried up, for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. By the way, Elijah's name means the Lord is God. Eli, Eli, El, Yah. The Lord is God. Eli, Yah. Yah. Yahweh, Yah. Eli, the Lord is God. Whew, what a powerful name. Elijah's ministry corresponded to his name. He was a man who was sent from God to confront Baalism. Now, Baalism is what we're confronting in our world today. The prophets of Baal never left. Baalism never stopped. Today, Baal worship is everywhere. You can't watch a Hollywood movie without Baal worship. You can't hardly see a rock star without Baal worship. It's satanic. He came to fight Baalism, to bring down the powers of Baal, and to announce... And declare to Israel that the Lord was God and there was no other God. I'm announcing to this church, there's one God. He is the Lord God. There can be no other God. There is no other God. Ancestral gods are not gods. Ancestral spirits are not real. They're, they are familiar spirits. They're family spirits, all right. But they're not your dead ancestor, no matter what you think. They're just a spirit that imitates, mocks, mim mimics. And they deceive you. Elijah prayed for this drought and God answered. He says there's not going to be any rain. For three and a half years there was no rain because he prayed. No spring rains, no dew, nothing on the ground. It was dry. This drought proved that Baal, the god of the rains, the god of fertility. Baal is a fertility god. The god of the rains was impotent before the real god. The first thing I want to mention to you is that for provision, there is always contention. Before provision, there's always contention. You can't just get provision. You must contend for your provision. Every believer will face times of confrontation. Confrontation isn't fun, but it's necessary. Always Stand for truth. Never back down from God's word. Look at verse 6 again. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and each evening, and he drank from the brook. Now, I want you to know, God can supernaturally provide for you. He can. In Exodus 16, God provided manna in the wilderness. God provided quail. God provided water. For two million people. Now think about it. Two million people. God provided their food, their water, their quail, anything they needed. Their clothes by himself. If he can do that for two million people. If he could do it for Elijah, you don't think he can do it for you? He can. And God wants to prove that he's your provider. Listen to what Philippians says. 
I have two different versions. And my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Whew. I like this version, the, 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 the message Bible. It says, you can be sure that God will take care of everything you need. His generosity even, exceeding even yours in the glory that pours from Jesus. I, we serve a generous God. Let me tell you something. I have seen the provision of God in my life. I promise you, let no man say he made me rich. I am not out fleecing people with prophecies and selling oil and water and selling all kinds of weird stuff. No, I, I don't have a bunch of hotels. That I make you come and sit in for three or four days, pay the hotel rate so the man of God can come and bless you. That's chicanery. That's false prophets, profiteering, misusing and abusing you. I get a salary, modest, not looking for money. I don't want your money. I want your blessing. I want your soul. None of our pastors are here because they're getting rich. I'll tell you, they're getting blessed, but they're not getting rich. And we may get rich. We may, I'll tell you what, God has blessed me. He's given me the ability to make a few investments that have paid pretty well. I'm happy for that. But I'm not out, I'm not fleecing the church. Why? Because I've learned something about God's provision. God, I, I, in fact, I don't want it any other way. If I don't see God provide, I would get scared. If, if, I, if I had to do this, oh my gosh. My portion is God. I choose God as my portion. Now, some of you, you have a job as your portion. Only the Levites had God as their portion. Sorry, you can't have this. No man takes this honor upon himself. But I want God to be my portion. Are you listening to me? You see, these Philippians, you know, if you read the story about the Philippians, their material needs had been depleted. And now they give this gift to Paul which staggered him, and they're depleted even more. And Paul says, hey, I know something about God. He says, you can't outgive him. He says, in your great gift, he says, God will repay you. God will provide for you. God is the provider. And he'll generously exceed even your generosity that pours from Jesus. Wow, according to his riches. What are his riches? Those are infinite resources. Now, let's go back. And uh, uh, just remember the story in Mark before I go back to Nehemiah. In Mark 12, verses 38 through 44, it says, Jesus taught this. He says, beware of these teachers and religious lawgivers. I'm warning you, beware of false prophets. Beware of false apostles. Beware of everybody who just runs around calling themselves a man of God. They like to parade around with entourages and flowing robes. And they like to receive respectful greetings as they walk into the marketplace. And how they love the seats of honor in the synagogues and at the head tables of banquets. Guys, I'll tell you what, I just want to be, I know I get honored, but I tell you what, I'm not seeking honor. I thank you for honoring me. But I don't want honor. I want Jesus to be honored. Yeah. Yet they shamelessly cheat widows out of their property and then pretend to be pious, making long prayers and prophecies in public. They cheat widows. They make poor families sit in hotels with money that they got from their children overseas to try to get a miracle or to get prosperity or to buy some holy oil or holy water that isn't holy. Because of this, they will be more severely punished. Jesus sat down near the collection booth in the temple, the collection box in the temple. And he watched as the crowds dropped in their money. 
Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins, two mina. Jesus called his disciples and to himself and he said this, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. Well, I'll tell you what, something I know about people. When God moves, money's never a problem. God, something happens, your heart is moved. People love God, and they show it by how they give. Jesus exposed the greedy practice of these charlatans, some of these scribes and Pharisees. And, And these scribes, you have to understand, they often served as estate planners for widows. They were the estate planners. They were the men of God who were supposed to help the widows. They were supposed to care for the widows. They were their estate planners. And what would they do? They would, it, this gave them the opportunity to convince distraught widows out of their money, to connive them, really, not convince them, connive them out of their money. These scribes were effectively robbing the widow of her husband's legacy for themselves. It kind of reminds me of some of your relatives. I really struggle with the religious spirit that is in the ancestral culture worship. Ancestral worship has a religious demon that goes into people's houses when they're being bereaved and takes from the widow everything. That is a spirit Just as a false prophet would take from a widow or take from a poor person and deliver nothing but false promises. It is wrong. Now, I thank God that there's a God who provides for those people, even though they've been connived. The Bible says that Jesus... looked at this woman, I just wonder sometimes if she could have been one of those widows who were robbed by one of the scribes or Pharisees. Jesus sees her coming and this widow gives her whole livelihood. Hmm. I just have to believe that she understood that her means wouldn't come unless it came supernaturally. Think about it. Anyway, let me close out. First Kings, let's go back to the story. Elijah's drinking from a brook, remember? Well, the brook dries up. So in First Kings 17, 8 to 24, it says, Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath, near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. A widow. Come on, guys. You know what widows, they don't have anything. This widow, we find out later, she almost had to sell her son into slavery to pay for her stuff. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks, and he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? As she was going to get it, he called her. He says, ah, and bring me a bite of bread as well. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. And I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal. Then my son and I will die. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what is left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Now, I want to know, is there a God 
the God of Israel. Is there a God in your life? Is there a God in my life? There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So she did as Elijah said. She and Elijah and her son continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour, enough olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord, the Lord had promised through Elijah. Sometime later, the woman said to Elijah, oh man of God, what have you done to me? Whoops. Sometime, sorry, sometimes later, the woman's son became sick. He grew worse and worse until he finally died. Then she said to Elijah, oh man of God, what have you done to me? Have you come here to point out my sins and kill my son? But Elijah replied, give me your son. And he took the child's body from her arms, carried him up the stairs to the room where he was staying, and laid, her on, laid the body on his bed. Elijah cried out to the Lord, oh Lord my God, why have you brought tragedy to this widow who has opened her home to me, causing her son to die? And he stretched himself out over the child three times and cried out to the Lord, oh my God, please let this child's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's prayer and the life of the child returned and he revived. Then Elijah brought him down from the upper room, gave him to his mother. Look, he said, your son is alive. And the woman told Elijah, now I know for sure that you are a man of God and the Lord truly speaks through you. I want to submit to you that this widow, in her obedience in serving Elijah first, was tied to every good thing that happened to her later. Everything that happened that was good was because she was involved with this man of God. God provided for her supernaturally. God raised her son back to life. You know, the Canaanites had myths that claimed that Baal could revive the dead. But here it was, the God of Israel that raised this child from the dead. It wasn't Baal that gave the boy's life back. It wasn't the witch doctor. It was God. Just look at verse 24. We'll close. The woman told Elijah, now I know for sure that you're a man of God. There's praise. Your God is amazing. Oh, praise God. And that God truly speaks through you. I'll tell you what. Was it because the boy was raised? I think partly, but I think also the fact that she'd seen provision. God provided her oil and wine and bread and everything she needed. God provided her, her son back. God made provision for her. And I believe God wants to show himself strong in this church. I think he's leading us to trust him for our provision as individual members and as a congregation. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.